0: Oh, you're talking about the shirt that I wore Tuesday? Uh, There was a lot of reaction to the shirt. Like, it's a very colorful shirt. There were no knee, there were not parrots. Those are eyeballs because it's a tiger. It's one big tiger. Not battling parrots, you idiot. You guys do understand, not only is today my anniversary, but my wife is a stylist and by definition has picked out all of the clothes that you guys have seen me wear. Danielle just said from downstairs, I'd like to know which one of them is wearing shorts with a plaid top today. So one of y'all must have worn that at some point and she put it in her memory banks. Welcome in. It is episode 10 of the What's Right podcast and YouTube show. Demonse, we made it to double digits. Well done, sir. We have a ton to do today. You should like, subscribe, rate, review. But before we get to what we are going to do today, let's discuss what we are not going to discuss today, which sounds like an oxymoron or a contradiction, but we'll do it anyway. Wednesday night's playing games are not going to make today's show because we are taping this show a few hours before they actually take place. We are coming to you from the past. No timetable for Luka Doncic's return. That is not in the show today because it is too sad for me to discuss the possibility of my Western Conference champion pick Mavericks being out in round one to the damn Jazz because Luka gets hurt. And Patrick Beverly, one of the mo- dirtiest players in all of basketball, a mediocre guy who's been on mediocre teams but sucks up more oxygen than Jalen Brown or legitimate all-stars do because he's tricked people into thinking He is some force multiplier. He's still jumping on tables celebrating what will be a very brief playoff life for the Timberwolves. So it looks like I did discuss Patrick Beverly a bit. Also not in the show. Derek Carr just got 40 plus million dollars a year by the Raiders. I'm sure they won't regret that. (laughs) Damonze, where are we starting?
1: The Nets are officially in the playoffs after beating the Cavs Wednesday or Tuesday. Tuesday. Yep. Uh, They say Ben Simmons might come back. Yeah. And uh, Milwaukee definitely made the right call in dodging these guys. If Kyrie does end up having a great postseason, will that mean that he was worth all the headache?
0: All right, first of all, a little editorializing that, that Milwaukee definitely made the right call dodging them. I'm not even sure Milwaukee was dodging them as much as Milwaukee was trying to play the Bulls, who they'll be able to deal with in four games as opposed to a maybe five- or six-game series with Brooklyn. The Kyrie question is interesting. That Listen, if the Nets win the title, then of course Kyrie's worth the headache. And, but... I, don't, I think the most more likely outcome is somewhere in if the in the gray area, right? If the Nets win the title, then yeah, it was all worth it. Then and Kyrie gets a max extension and, and the Katie and Kyrie thing ends up being a success. If they go out in round one, as I think they will to Boston, then I think a lot of this is gonna fall on Kyrie. A lot of the blame is gonna fall on Kyrie because people are going to justifiably say. They wouldn't be playing a team as good as Boston in round one if Kyrie had been available throughout the beginning portion of the season. And so the question is, to me, if they are better than I expect them to be, meaning they can get out of round one, but worse than Vegas expects them to be, meaning they lose before the NBA finals, what does that mean for Kyrie's future? Because let's just say they beat the Celtics in a hard-fought series and then Milwaukee dispatches them in six. What do you do if Kyrie opts out and then asks for the max extension? I think you have to give it to him because you can't worry about losing the, and sorry to use these cold terms, but the asset for nothing. However, should anyone feel comfortable Kyrie on the other side of 30 with his own, let's call them idiosyncrasies about committing long-term max money to him? I wouldn't. I also think that you saw in the Tuesday night play-in game, the good and the bad of the Nets. They were up forty to twenty after the first quarter. Demanze, you came to me then, middle of the fourth quarter, and said, "This is actually still a game." Yeah. That, I mean, it, the Cavs have been awful for two months, nine and eighteen in their last twenty-seven, and they clawed back into that. Kyrie was eighty percent from the field. KD was excellent on both ends, and you're playing a. A mediocre team at best, because without Jared Allen, that team's been mediocre. And it's a close game late. I just don't know how anyone can believe in the Nets. But to answer the question, yeah, if they win the title, then I was wrong. Kyrie and KD were right, and Kyrie will, Kyrie will get his max money. I don't think they're winning the title. All right, we're sticking with the play and What's next?
1: So we're two years into the play-in experiment. Yep. A pro is there seems to be less tanking. Yeah, A con is a team that won around 35 games could make it into the playoffs. Yep. Uh, so is it working, or do you want them to expand it so maybe LeBron makes it next oh year? Oh,
0: my gosh. Why? There's no reason to bring up LeBron here. No, I definitely don't want them to expand it. Your point about a 35-ish win team making the playoffs is a good one, because a few hours once after we're done recording, by the time you're listening tomorrow, either New Orleans or San Antonio which won 36 and 34 games respectively, one of those two teams is going to be one win away from making the postseason and could send the Clippers home Thursday night. That's not ideal. I, I like the plan. I think it's been a smart addition. I do think it has eliminated some tanking, not all tanking, but some tanking. I would be okay with the prerequisite of you, do not, you are not play-in eligible If you're sub 500, that we're not doing this to reward really bad teams. Or you know what? We could even give them a game below 500. If you don't get to 40 wins, you're not play ineligible. But I don't think they're going to do that. What they could do, and sorry to bring this up in second straight show, but what they could and what they should do is let the top seeds pick who they play in the first round. Then it is a real reward for Phoenix to be the one seed. Because I know that the Clippers lost to the Timberwolves on Tuesday night and Patrick Beverly, as we mentioned, celebrated like he won a national championship. <laughs> uh, but if if the Clip if you're the Suns, say the Clippers end up winning their second play in game, you get them with the potential of Kawhi coming back, I think you'd rather play Minnesota. I think you'd rather opt into that Minnesota matchup. And so I just I would be fine with leaving the plane exactly as is. If you let guys pick the round one opponents, I don't love the fact that you could have this great regular season. A team could punt on the entirety of the regular season, just, you know, kind of the way they didn't do it on purpose, but Brooklyn did, and then could end up getting, having a better path to the finals in some scenarios than the one seed would. So I do think it needs some tweaking, but I think the plan has been a smart addition. All right. What's next?
1: Okay. The Lakers need a coach. Some names are Nick Nurse, Doc Rivers, Jawan Howard. Uh, LeBron, of course, has already made his decision clear, and he wants Mark Jackson. Uh, Why would anyone want to be LeBron's next fall guy? And do you think maybe LeBron should just coach the Lakers next year? Okay,
0: LeBron's not going to coach the Lakers. He's not going to run the Lakers. Everyone said, oh, LeBron's in charge of everything. But there's also, if he's in charge of everything, then I guess they've already hired Mark Jackson because they're not even going to do a coaching search because LeBron asked for it. Mark Jackson. You said, Why would anyone want to coach LeBron? Well, I don't know. It's fun to coach in the finals. And everyone that's ever coached LeBron, except for Paul Silas, who coached him as a rookie, and Luke Walton, who coached him for one year, has coached in the finals when they had never previously coached in the finals. So that part seems good. Uh, Nick Nurse is a very interesting option. Nick Nurse, by the way, also a clutch client, which is, I guess, some relevance here. He's obviously a great coach. The problem for the Lakers is. I don't know that the Lakers are going to pay the top dollar it requires to get a great coach. They, they could have gotten Ty Lue a few years ago after they fired Luke Walton. They scoffed at paying him real money. One of the reasons they ended up settling on Frank Vogel was because nobody else was offering Frank Vogel a head coaching job after his disastrous run in Orlando, or after it went so terribly for him in Orlando. It wasn't totally his fault. I mean, it's the magic. But they, the, Lakers, the Lakers are in a weird spot. Because they are the most valuable team in the NBA by a mile. But their owners, as far as NBA ownership goes, are not that wealthy. Because the bus family business is the Lakers at this point. It's not a situation where they have these billions of outside dollars like a lot of these owners do. And basketball is the hobby. This is how they make their money. That's why the Lakers... You know, it blinked instead of paying Caruso because they didn't want to pay a luxury tax. Caruso wasn't traded this offseason. They just didn't match what the Bulls offered him because they didn't want to pay the luxury tax. So they're going to have to pay Frank Vogel a few million dollars to pay him out the rest of his contract. Are they going to offer 10, 12 million a year like it would take to get Nick Nurse if Nick Nurse were even to come available, which I have no reason to believe necessarily he would. I don't know. So, I, I think one of the sneaky things about the Lakers is they're a little cheap around the margins as, you know, over the last decade. And I think that could hurt them in this coaching search. Now, I don't think Mark Jackson would be super expensive because I don't think many teams are lining up to hire Mark Jackson. But I also wouldn't love the idea of Mark Jackson. Jawan Howard's interesting to me. He's done a great job at Michigan, but obviously would be risky for a first time NBA head coach. But he's been on NBA benches, been with LeBron in Miami. So Jawan of those names is the most interesting. I'm not, I don't want to get in the Doc Rivers business again. Doc Rivers has had a great career. They named him one of the NBA 75 greatest coaches, but I don't know that we have a lot of evidence over the last decade that Doc Rivers is a championship level coach. So of those names, Nick Nurse obviously jumps out. I think Jawan Howard would work, but I think the Lakers issue is not that people don't want to coach LeBron. It's are they going to pony up for the best candidate possible? All right, what's last? You
1: can always hire me if they're happy. Hire so you. I'm yeah,
0: that'd be gorgeous. a great idea. Yeah, smart take. Send in your resume. Send it in. I'm here. Okay.
1: Steph might return this week. Yeah. Draymond is looking healthier. Yeah. And Clay just dropped 41. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Poole has been excellent all year. Might
0: be most improved player of the, in, the, in the league this year. He's yeah. Been
1: very nice. Yep. Are you telling me this team can't make a title run if everybody's healthy?
0: No. I'm not saying that. I, I I would not pick the Warriors, and in the West, I would pick the Mavs, if Luke is healthy, then the Suns. The Warriors, I would have them ahead of the Grizzlies at this point, probably because the Ja health thing scares me. I know they didn't rush him back, and he should be fresh, but he's missed so much time that he's a bit of a concern. But the Warriors cannot be written off because they they, they are, at this point, So deep, because Kaminga's been good for them. Poole's been excellent. Clay seems to be rounding into form in a way that I was skeptical if he'd be able to do. The the concern is they just need so many things to fall right. They need Steph to be healthy and hit the ground running in the playoffs. They need Draymond's back, and back injuries scare me, uh, to stay stay where it is. They need Poole and Kaminga to not have the moment be too big for him. They need all of those things. And I'm going to, we almost hit the clock. Clock just expired if you're watching on YouTube. I'm going to take another 30 seconds here. Here's the one thing about the Warriors playoff run that feels very nostalgic, which maybe is in their favor. Steph Curry, the built-in, comes into the playoffs as one of the most dangerous guys, but also dealing with a nagging injury. So when Steph doesn't play well, he's hurt. And when he does play well, he's the greatest. Like I read that, that warms the cockles of my heart remembering 2016, the 73-win year when Steph was injured, but then he wasn't, then he had the most points ever in an overtime in his first game back, but then when he struggled against LeBron in the finals, like, oh, you can't hold it against him, he's hurt. This all this all is very reminiscent of that. Can't be unfair to Steph Curry. Can't be. But no, I, I, I to answer the question, the Warriors can't be written off, but they also would be my third choice at this moment to come out of the West. We'll be right back.
2: That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well.
0: All right, welcome back in. What's Right with Nick Wright podcast and YouTube show. We've got a ton to do. We're going to play a game this segment, two wrongs and a right. But before that, one more major topic to get into. Demonze, kick us off.
1: Debo Samuel is up for an extension next year. Reportedly, the Niners would at least listen to a trade offer. Yep. Uh, or trade offers, sorry. Yeah. Hill and Adams were traded. There's rumors around DK and Ter- Terry McLaurin. Oh, there you go. Nailed
0: it. <laughs> Terry McLaurin. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> is, is the uh, throw a fit on social media and force a trade proving effective?
0: So here's the thing. I don't. So Devontae and Tyreek didn't throw any fits. They just asked for a bunch of money more money than their teams were willing to pay, and team, and they, both those teams got excellent trade packages for them. Now, obviously, uh, you did have guys, Odell threw a fit, or via his father threw a fit on social media, and yeah. he got moved. Here's what I think is proving effective. I think we have there once was a time where you could be a great player in the NFL, be disgruntled because you were underpaid, and teams were not afraid of that at all. Teams were like, okay, that's your problem. You're not holding out. you are We believe you're going to show up. You're going to play hard. So who gives a damn? It seems like that is bending in the other direction to where the Packers absolutely, they had franchise-tagged Devontae. They could have just kept it for at least one more year and then dealt with it next year. Devontae made a little noise that he wouldn't play under the franchise tag, and they moved him. Tyreek was still under contract, but he wanted more money after the Devontae deal. He made it very clear he was going to be unhappy if they didn't give him more money. The Chiefs flatly could have just kept him for another year and traded him next year or figured out something next year. Rather than dealing with the potential distraction, they moved him. The Bills had uh, Stephon Diggs under contract for, I think, two more seasons. It was clear he felt he was underpaid. They immediately gave him a new deal. So what I do think is starting to happen in the NFL is now. Before I interrupt myself for a moment, there, Nikhil Harry, who you've never heard of, he's a you know a, a bad first round pick from the Patriots a few years ago, wide receiver. Before last year, Nikhil Harry's agent was like, "Listen, time here's run its course. He wants to go somewhere else." And the Patriots are like, "Good for him. Shut up. We're not doing anything about it." So that might be something about the Patriots. It also might be something more about the caliber of player. I don't know how much the throwing fits on social media thing matters, but I do think, rightly or wrongly, teams are afraid of star players being unhappy in the locker room. And because of that, they would rather trade that player than deal with potential upheaval during the year. We always knew quarterbacks had that type of juice it's very interesting to see other star players have that type of juice To tell, jalen ramsey got out of uh jacksonville tell jamal adams got out of new york with the jets uh, we have deandre hopkins he didn't even make noise he just wanted more money it's how he got out of houston a few years ago and then we mentioned these other receivers so i do think it is something to take note of your Debo samuel and they kind of use you like a running back where your career is probably not going to be as long as these other receivers. You want to get paid right now. I think rattling the cage, a bit, and making some noise is effective because it would appear the team will either. If you're a great player, the team will either pay you or move you to a team that will pay you. All right. Time now for a game, two wrongs and a right. The Monza, kick it off.
1: Worst Philly story. Third baseman, Alec Bohm saying, I hate it here. Yep. Teibel missing road games, or KD saying Harden was out of shape?
0: Okay, by worst Philly story, I, I'm going to take that to mean my favorite Philly story, and it's the KD one saying Harden was out of shape. I don't really care about Alec Boehm. He said, I hate it here, and the next day he had a big hit. That's fine. Teibel uh, is not eligible to play against Toronto. I would recommend everyone read Teibel's commentary about the vaccine, about how he grew up with homeopathic and what he called, I think, Chinese medicine, about how he took the first, he he got one dose of the vaccine and why he chose not to get the second dose. I've been as pro-vaccine as anyone on television. If there is, Tybalt legitimately and totally fits the bill of someone who has lived a certain way his entire life, is trying to be consistent with that, has been... Had well thought out reasoning, explained the reasoning, talked about how the reason he got the first vaccine, the first shot, was because he thought by getting the vaccine, even though he didn't believe in vaccines essentially, because of the way he was raised medicine wise, he thought he was doing it as part of a society because then he couldn't infect other people. Then when it became clear that you could still infect other people even with the vaccine, that's why he chose not to get it. Again, I would recommend everybody get the vaccine. But if people are wondering why a guy like Tybal is not getting raked over the coals the way Kyrie did, well, Kyrie refused to ever talk about it. doesn't It doesn't appear to be in line with any logical, lifelong commitment to something. Ty- so Tybal to me, it, it, I understand it more so than I've understood it with many of the other athletes that are un- unvaccinated or partially vaccinated. The Katie Harden thing is the most interesting story. And it's because it is a bit of a canary in the coal mine potentially, or at least a warning sign for Philly that if Philly does not win the championship next year, and their plan is all right, well, Embiid, you know, we we now have Harden, we're re-signing him, he's gonna come in, we're gonna have the whole season together. James Harden, after getting hurt for the first time in his career last year, being on a team. Where he has the best chance of his career to win a title, and then finding out, oh, they're gonna need a little more out of me because of Kyrie's back status. Back decided
1: that, to be out of shape. Out of, yeah, <laughs> the fact that
0: that didn't motivate him exactly right to get in shape, that would concern me a bit if I were the Sixers, particularly the Sixers, who I think if he opts out and asks for it, they're gonna give him a four year, 200 plus million dollar contract extension. All right, what's next?
1: Bet one long shot NBA title future. Yeah. Boston at nine to one. Philly at ten to one or Miami at ten to one.
0: All right, I think of these three teams. Boston clearly has looked the best over the last few months, but Boston has played Milwaukee in round two, so they're out. Philly of these three teams is the one that is most in danger of losing in round one because we mentioned the title we'll thing. Toronto's been good. I don't think they'll lose in round one, but they could, so they're out. Miami at ten to one as the one seed. When they are going to be playing in round one, either Cleveland or the winner of Hawks uh, Hornets, which has already taken place when you guys hear this, but it hasn't taken place yet when we're recording it. Miami's going to roll in round one, and then in round two is playing either Toronto, which doesn't have enough talent, or Philly with two guys that have very, very light postseason resumes. Miami has excellent depth, excellent defense, excellent continuity, and maybe the best coach currently in the playoffs. So. I think Miami, as the one seed, home court throughout, they're finally healthy at the right time. They're not my pick. I think Milwaukee's rolling everybody. But if I had to pick one team in the East other than Milwaukee, I think Miami would be my pick. I also like that Milwaukee's on the other side of the bracket from them, so they won't have to deal with Milwaukee until the conference finals. So my, my answer there is definitely Miami. All right, what's next?
1: Well, speaking of gambling, yeah, you've lost the Tiger bet.
0: Yeah, I did. You've already
1: bet a ton on the playoff matchups. Yeah. Rate yourself as a better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Above average, really good, or too good to discuss on air?
0: Okay. So here's the thing I'm an above average sports better. I am an elite games picker. So here's the distinction. So I am. And it's documented every year with my NFL picks. I do five a week. We'll do it as part of the show once NFL season starts. Every year, with the exception of the 2020 NFL season, since I've been on television, I have a documented you know, top 5% amongst all sports prognosticators record against the spread. That would lead you to believe I would be an incredibly profitable sports gambler. But I'm not because part of gambling, the biggest part of gambling is not getting on tilt, not pressing, dealing with the fact that you're going to lose two out of five bets, even in your best years, not pressing your luck, not all of a sudden tripling your bet size for the Sunday night game to try to get even. All of these things that I am terrible, at, that I am just awful at. So, because of that, I am not a great sports gambler. I am a very, very good prognosticator picker. But as far as it actually resulting in money in my pocket, not great. With that said, I got uh, forty-nine to one on $1, 000, a thousand bucks, a bucks Mavs, bucks over Mavs, exact finals. So, if the Bucks beat the Mavs in the finals, it pays almost fifty thousand dollars. I bet that about 96 hours before Luka Doncic maybe tore his calf and was maybe out and that things may be dead. Wow. So that's, again, that's a savvy bet by me. I think a great bet by me. And then I got a little unlucky. And if it is now ruled out that Luke is out, instead of just losing that bet, I will then chase, 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 and lose a lot of money. That's how it works. What are you going to do? All right, it says we're out of time. We're at zeros. But the last thing on there says father versus son. I'm not letting us skip it. What are we doing?
1: You got to be, like, super honest about this question. Like just, I'm, this isn't on. for your career. Like you want know, it's not an argument. It's not, you know, defending LeBron. Okay, wait. It's, 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 it's a,
0: I don't even know what the question is yet. But the implication there is I'm not do you think I'm not super honest? You know, sometimes about I everything? feel like
1: you just have to you have to stand on your opinions. And this one I just need you to Okay. It's, it's all good. All right, go it's, ahead. It's cool. Yeah. Tom Brady posted a video of him beating his son in hoops. So, so here's he the video. Little,
0: all right, go ahead. What's the question?
1: Yeah. If we played would you win or would I win, but it's close, or I win in a blowout?
0: Oh, boy. That's honesty. a tough
1: question. Key.
0: Um, key. Okay. Do you remember the last time we played with a score in with stakes? Yeah, in Houston. Do yeah, you I'll remember? You. I, I didn't say. Oh, okay. I'm yeah, just okay. asking if remember. Yeah, I remember. Do you remember? Uh, all right. Let me just give the audience a little bit of context here. I'm a shade over six feet tall. Uh, whether people believe it or not, you know, at my athletic apex, I once upon a time could dunk a basketball. Don't, don't, again, there's video of it from high school of me. It's fine. Nobody believes me. I this guy me.
1: dunked That's, one time ever and broke his wrist. But no. Go ahead.
0: I Okay. I tried to dunk in college. And did break my wrist because I, I... So you
1: were already dunking in high school and then you tried to dunk in college. I,
0: okay. All right. I'm going to answer the question in a moment, but let's just spend time here. Because people always use the, Nick, you broke your wrist trying to dunk the ball as evidence against the fact that I could dunk the basketball. When I, It's obviously evidence that I could. Because nobody... <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> listen to me here. Listen to me here. Okay? Right. You know somebody who at the end of a college intramural game tries to throw down a definitive bleep, you guys get off the court dunk. Somebody who's dunked before, not somebody who's like, this is going to be my first dunk ever. Now <laughs> on that one, I didn't time the steps right. And what happened was I held the rim a little long, legs came out from right underneath me, tried to hold it longer, didn't fell, snapped wrist. Not the point. Point is, I was once upon a time, I would say a de- decent basketball player, good at. Demaze is six four. Once upon a time, had a measured 40-inch vertical at that AU uh, tournament and played college basketball. So the answer is, of course, Damonze by a lot, and I have no shame in that. The reason I referenced the last time we played is, DeMondsey, what happened right the last time we played where I threw up right after (laughs) the the game? (laughs) I was playing so hard, but you crushed me. What happened about three hours after that? Do you remember?
1: Three yeah, hours after that.
0: Oh yeah, just the best game of your high school life. Just, just a thirty and ten was it, was game. It an
1: AAU game. No,
0: it was it was Kipner. It was a thirty and ten yeah. game against a guy, the, the starting backcourt player that was a D one guy. Yeah,
1: I think that was Hightower.
0: Yeah, it was against Hightower. But exactly yeah. right. I got I got DeMondsey all motivated, worked up, and he went out there and crushed it. So yeah, I would lose. You were you're a better athlete than me. But I would I would do it with dignity. I would not be ashamed of it. There's no shame in losing to you. The only question I have about that Tom Brady video is this. Did his son Jack immediately after that game uh, fake retire from his school, high school (laughs) from his basketball team so he could then try to play for a different basketball team? Or is that just what his dad does? We'll be right back. didn't say i was a silky smooth three-point shooter right. the question was did yeah. i have enough yes athleticism yes. To <laughs> I don't, okay not athleticism leaping ability yeah that's the question i was still grabbing rim in dress shoes at your practices all right are you ready to finish up the show i'm ready you don't even know what we're doing here all right I, welcome I, back I, in what's right with nick wright podcast youtube show again by the way reminder Uh, Players 47 through 44, I believe, on the 50 best players of the last 50 years list. That is going to be revealed this weekend, unveiled. So subscribe. It's the same feed as this one that you're either watching or listening to it on. But we're going to be doing that weekly, and it comes out this weekend. Okay, the C block, typically, you surprise me with a topic. I instead am going to surprise you with a topic because you were surprised by something else today. And that was the fact that today is me and your mom's anniversary. Oh. So I'm not going to ta- tell you. Demonte forgot it was our anniversary. He thought I was upset about that. I'm not upset about that. Not his job to remember the anniversary. You, you didn't get married. Here's the question I have, though, because you and I have never talked about this. So let me just tell the audience. I wasn't something.
1: invited to the wedding, okay. by the way. <laughs> so- I forgot the anniversary, but I also wasn't invited to the wedding.
0: Okay. So now we're where I thought this was going to go. So let me defend that because people hear that it doesn't sound great. Doesn't sound great at all. So this is my wife and my our nine year wedding anniversary. We've been together for fourteen, just under fourteen years. So we had set money aside for a wedding, going to have a big wedding. Then I got the job in Houston, and in Kansas City. You remember we were living in that like the townhouse, townhouse yeah. apartment thing, it's the biggest apartment it was. I've ever seen. It, it was it was a good sized apartment, but it was also in a retirement community. <laughs> remember they didn't want to let us move in, and our neighbors Bob and Betty, Betty. Uh, yeah, they were like a thousand years old. And I'm in there with, with my three kids. Okay, so then is it fair to say our home in Houston was a significant upgrade from how we had been living before? Hundred percent. Okay, so right. Around the time Danielle and I were deciding we were going to get married, I got the job in Houston. So all the money I had saved for the wedding went to the down payment for the house. So we didn't realize we were either going to have to postpone the wedding entirely a year, which we were considering doing. But then there was a reason. We decided. I wonder
1: how long that considering process was. What? The postponing? We, yeah.
0: Well, do you do you remember why we ended up not postponing the wedding? I mean, there's an interesting timeline on our wedding date and Deanna's birth date that if you do a little math there, you'll realize why the wedding was not postponed. However, it's not the point. Point is, we decided we were going to get married, as we had said, April 13th, 2013, nine years ago today. And we wanted to stick with it. But I now had no money left, okay? So we were like, we can go into debt over this. We can ask to borrow money. We can ask, or we can try to do it on our own. So we decided we were going to have a very, very small wedding and, it, and hopefully on our 10-year anniversary or at some point do a big wedding, but have a small wedding. The small wedding necessitated that your mother and I both only get to invite one person. So how, how are we supposed to pick between you and your sister? We couldn't do it. So you, your mom invited her grandparents.
1: Laura really is the favorite child. Why? She's been for a while. Why do you say that? Are you say me or my sister. You, you, you picked Dior?
0: We didn't, we didn't pick either. She didn't go. Oh. You thought she went? For a second. I was, no. Honestly, when you said no, that, she didn't go this
1: whole time Dior was at the wedding. You thought like, the, wow, the whole time insane. Dior was
0: there and you weren't there?
1: That's true. Betrayal. Yeah, oh. but it was, it was grandparents. It was, it was, it was your mom's you grandparents
0: made. and my mom. My sister didn't go. Your mom's sisters didn't go. You're, you're, it was just, by the way, it caused a lot of drama within the family. A lot of rips. But hey, Here's the thing, nobody was throwing money in the hat (laughs) to set the thing up. So we had to make the choices we had to make. So you will never be accountable for not remembering the anniversary because I still have a little regret and guilt that you were not at the ceremony. But such is life when, you know what I mean, you're getting out, starting on your own. By the way, I will use the final 30 seconds of the show to say it was nine years ago today that it was the greatest day of my life. I love you so much, Danielle, even though our producer's off the air take vicious personal shots at your professional ability as a stylist, mocking my clothes on the show, off the show. It's really, I mean, and look at this group of idiots and what they're wearing. We got Matt, who I think wearing long johns. We have Gabe who is wearing long sleeve shirt and shorts for the ninth straight day, which even though Demonze is trying to popularize that look, it's not a good look. The young lady in the back looks fine. looks, is dressed well, but she has to work around these doofuses all the time. But if they, you know, if they had shopped at Trentage, my wife's store here in Harlem, or hired Freebird Incorporated to do some styling, maybe they wouldn't look like such dupes. I've done both, so I look great every episode. I will talk to you guys next week. Hey, thanks for watching! Smash or just lightly tap that subscribe button; it all works the same to get more from the show and make sure you click. Why don't you want to mash the bell too, guys? Or just, you know, lightly tap the bell to get notified every time new content drops. Check out full episodes of What's Right wherever you get your podcasts or just hit the link in the description below.